Chapter 31 of Paul, A Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 31 In Philippi. Leaving Galatia, the travelers came at length to the classic city of Troas. Here, Luke of Antioch, the beloved physician, joined them, from henceforth to be almost uninterruptedly the companion of the great apostle, the chronicler of his journeys, his labors, his sufferings, and his imprisonments. In Troas also, as they tarried a while, uncertain which way they must go, since they had been prevented from carrying out their plan of preaching in Asia and Bithynia, there came to Paul a vision in the night. It seemed to him, lying upon his bed, that he saw standing by his side the figure of a man clad in the full panoply of a roman soldier and as he looked at the appearance in wonder the figure raised its hands beseechingly and cried out come over into macedonia and help us assuredly gathering writes luke simply that the lord had called us to announce the good tidings there we immediately sought to go into macedonia a vessel was found in the harbor of troas on the point of sailing for neapolis and upon this the party of four, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, embarked. The south wind drove them rapidly upon their course, betwixt Tenedos and the mainland, past Imbros, till evening found them anchored for the night beneath the towering peaks of Samothrace. From thence, on the morrow, their course lay northwest, to their destined port, Neapolis. Nine miles distant, and connected with Neapolis by a paved road, lay the Roman military colony of Philippi and thither, after some anxious consultation, the travellers made their way, through the mountain pass of Pamgidius, across the fertile rose-decked plains, to the place of fountains, where Philip, the father of Alexander, first set a garrison to protect his frontier against the Thracian mountaineers. Where Brutus and Cassius, their hands red with the blood of Caesar, had marshalled their legions against Augustus, escaping his victorious sword, only by ignominious flight into that dim land of shadows, whither no earthly vengeance may pursue its prey. Amid the bustle and stir of this little city, which the colonists, proud of their Roman origin, had made as nearly as possible like the eternal mother of cities, with its theatres, baths, palaces, temples, and magnificent private dwellings, the newcomers passed a few quiet days. They found no synagogue dedicated to the worship of Jehovah among the marble temples of the heathen deities. In the busy marketplace and on the street corners, they come upon no faces bearing the sign manual of Israel. If there be any in this place who worship God, said Potling, we shall find them by the riverside, where prayer is wont to be made. So they passed out of the city through the massive gates, recently granted to the colony by Claudius, upon which the workmen were still busily employed and turned their steps in the direction of the river Gangrites, which rushed between its banks with all the headlong impetuosity of a mountain torrent. Not far from the paved causeway which led to the river, they found as they had hoped the little prayer-house, or proskuka, a temporary structure open to the sky and fronting directly upon the river. A few women crouched within the humble walls of the place, their heads bowed, their sober mantles drawn closely about their faces. If they prayed at all, it was in silence and sadness, as indeed women are wont to pray. Something in the aspect of those lonely veiled figures touched the heart of Paul. We will speak with them, he said. So they sat down, all four, and Paul, in the simplest language, began to speak of the glad tidings. 
as he told of the wonderful sinless life spent in faraway judea of the yielding up of that life on the cross of the mysterious resurrection and ascension one by one the bowed heads were raised the shouting veils pushed aside as if their words feared to lose a syllable of what was being spoken and when at last the inspired speaker declared that through faith in this jesus the sins of past years might be forgiven that through his death the bitterness of the grave was overpassed and that the pure fountain of life everlasting unsealed in the arid desert of his present life that whosoever would might take freely the silent lips broke forth into alleluias o lord thou art my god cried a tall stately woman springing to her feet i will exalt thee i will praise thy name for thou hast done wonderful things behold i believe with joy the words that thou hast spoken for my heart beareth me witness that they be true words so did it please god to send his messengers to a handful of faithful women who alone in all the gay city of philippi remembered the sabbath and so it came to pass that the first person to confess christ on european soil was a woman a humble seller of dye-stuffs i am not a jewess she said meekly when questioned by the apostle i was born in the city of thyatira in the province of lydia which name i also bear many years ago did i forsake the gods of my fathers for i was persuaded that the jehovah of the jews was the only true god yet have i found the laws of their religion a grievous burden since it had not seemed possible to observe them all perfectly and by reason of one failure all is lost for so i was taught when all the fullness of the glorious glad tidings had been explained to her she gladly consented to be baptized i and my household she said simply for i have many handmaids and slaves who also labor in my house preparing the precious dye stuffs of purple and crimson these have i instructed in the fear of jehovah so that they worship no other god if the lord jesus will receive me he will surely receive them so the woman lydia was baptized with her household and afterward she asked of the strangers where they were lodging and when they told her of the place a humble one truly and in a mean part of the city she urgently besought them if ye have judged me to be faithful to the lord come into my house and abide there and since jesus himself had bidden his disciples abide with them that were worthy in whatsoever town or city they might tarry to proclaim the glad tidings they went to the house of lydia and remained there and their peace came upon it according to the promise on this same sabbath morning in quite another part of philippi a young girl sat flat upon the ground in one corner of a squalid courtyard the sun shone hot upon her uncovered head but she seemed not to notice it her dull protruding black eyes were fixed upon a swarm of flies which darted noiselessly back and forth in the dazzling light with the strange unceasing energy of shuttles thrown by viewless hands in some loom of fate now and again she waved her lean brown hands before her face with a short sharp cry from the low-sailed room on the left of the yard there came sounds of loud laughter and the clinking of cups and dishes presently a woman bearing a platter heaped with food stepped out into the courtyard mara she called sharply come and eat the girl did not stir and with a muttered oath the woman stirred up to her and shook her roughly devil possessed she said angrily art thou also deaf and blind come eat i say with a deep sigh the unfortunate girl pushed back the tangled black hair which hung about her face then her eyes fell upon the platter without a word she snatched it out of the woman's hand and began to devour the contents greedily moaning and snarling like an animal as she ate beast grunted the woman spreading her contemptuously with her bare feet 
A couple of red-faced men now sauntered out into the courtyard. One of them carried a short whip of braided thongs in his hand. He snapped it playfully in the air as he approached the girl. She sprang up, shrieking. "'No, no, no, master! Do not beat me! I will obey! I am coming! I am coming! Yes, I see! Many, many things! I will tell the all-good master! Kind lady!' The man with the whip burst into a loud laugh. "'Ah, thou young she-devil!' he growled. "'Thou dost know thy master at last. Come, bestir thyself. Tis time we're moving. And mind thou speak up loud to-day. We'll have none of your dumb fiends.' The girl's eyes were blazing now. "'I come!' she cried wildly. "'No dumb fiends, but wheels that turn and turn, and waters that roar, and fire that burns, burns!' "'She hath a good spirit to-day,' said the second man, thrusting his tongue into his cheek, and winking at the woman, who stood with her arms akimbo, staring at the demoniac. "'Get you along with her, then. If she failed to bring in a good bit of gold, think you that I would have her about? The filthy beast!' The woman stooped and began to gather up the fragments of food which the girl had dropped in her fright, while the two men, driving the hapless mad creature before them, set off down the street at a good place. "'Worshipful lords and beauteous ladies,' they bellowed as they tromped along. "'Come on, come all, and learn the future, from the lips of the divine prophetess, Mara. "'More wonderful than the oracle at Delphi, the heaven-inspired Mara. "'Hast thou lost anything? Mara can reveal its hiding-place. "'Art thou in doubt about tomorrow's ventures? Mara can counsel thee. "'Art thou ill? Mara can cure thee.' And so for long hours they wandered up and down the streets, stopping now and again at the beck of the idle or credulous. A sly flourish of the dreaded whip caused the demented girl to pour forth a torrent of ravenings, which her masters cunningly interpreted to suit the case in hand. Toward evening, as they passed through the main avenue of the town, they came upon a group of men and women, who were passing out at the river gate. Something that a tall woman in their midst was saying earnestly to her companion caught the quick ear of the demoniac. "'Servants of the Most High God!' she shrilled, "'which show us the way unto salvation!' "'Servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation!' And this saying she repeated again and again, tearing at her streaming hair with frantic energy. A crowd quickly gathered to the spot, from which the unprincipled owners of the girl proceeded to reap a goodly harvest of copper and silver coins. "'Thy back is growled one of them, as they made their way homeward long after nightfall. "'Fortuna hath favoured us richly to-day. "'Now that I bethink me, I have seen those fellows before. "'Jews, clearly enough. Cunning rogues, but not more. Cunning than our little treasure here. Hey, Mara?' The girl shuddered as the man laid his hand upon her shoulder. "'Servants of the Most High God,' she muttered brokenly. "'Servants of the Most High God.' "'Yes, yes, my pretty. Now remember that tomorrow, and we shall do well.' Not only on the morrow, but on many succeeding days, the wretched creature, driven by her masters, followed Paul and his company as they went to and from the place of prayer, crying out monotonously the words which seemed to have taken complete possession of her darkened mind. "'These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation!' and the idle multitude that followed echoed the demoniac's cry with foul cursing and ribald laughter. When Paul understood the matter, he was stirred with pity because of the grievous condition of the slave. Turning suddenly, he said, addressing the evil spirit with which the girl was thought to be possessed, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. Immediately the strident voice faltered into silence. The frenzied gestures ceased. The staring eyes softened. A gentle rain of healing tears flowed down the burning cheeks. "'Mara! Mara!' shouted her master with an oath, snapping the dreaded whip. "'What ails thee, wench? Never fear the whining, too!' The girl looked about her at the motley crowd, then into the brutal face of her owner. "'How came I here?' she said gently. "'I must go home now.' <laughs> "'Ha-ha!' yelled a shrill voice out from the multitude. "'The Jew is an exorcist. He has spoiled your property, good masters. The girl is not worth a denarius for your business from now on.' 
You lie, shrieked the man with the whip. I swear by the immortals that I will beat the wench till the spirit returns. And he brought down the braided lash again and again over the delicate neck and shoulders of the girl. She moaned and wept piteously, but there was no outburst of the familiar ravings. She's done for assuredly, exclaimed his partner with an execration. Let be. Better take thy vengeance out of the hide of younger accursed Jew. Thou hast spoken, cried a books and woman who had pushed to the front. Seize the mischief-makers! Let them taste of Roman law! With a fierce yell, the owners of the slave-girl rushed off in the direction of the prayer-house, the mob following. Within the hour, the marketplace was filled with a turbulent, excited multitude, all agog telling the details of the hurried trial and punishment of the strangers. "'Jews, yes,' said one of the owners of the demented slave-girl, as he elbowed his way through the crowd with an important air. "'Accursed meddlesome beggars, but they have had a lesson. They will think twice hereafter before they thrust their hooked noses into another man's business. A scourging, you say?' A sound one, you may believe, my masters. Ah, but it pleased me to behold their blood. And now they be fast in the inner prison, where they may rot for all I care. And he went his way, thinking to lay his hand upon the slave, who had been quite forgotten in the general excitement. The three other uses to which she may be put if she has recovered her wits, he muttered to himself. And property is property, and must not be allowed to go to waste. He did not find the girl, not that day, nor the day after. She had wandered dazed and weeping through the great gates that led out to the river, and attracted by the solemn and ceasing chant of the waters, had made her way to a small roofless enclosure on the very brink of the torrent. Here she sank down with a sigh of relief and lifted her face to the pure distant heavens, a strange happiness swelling in her breast. God, God, she murmured silently, servants of the Most High God. Ah, is it thou? She started and looked about her, her breath coming faster in her fright. A young man, with a very gentle yet sorrowful look in his face, was steadfastly regarding her. "'I am one of them that were with him when he healed thee,' he said softly, then his eyes filled with sudden tears. "'I, I fear that they have killed him.' The girl started to her feet. "'I must go,' she said with a return of her wild tone and gesture. "'If they have killed him, I will die also.' "'Nay, thou shalt come with me now.' It will also please him best. The good Lydia sent me forth to find thee. And so it was, that the hapless Mara found a home, for her former masters were not unwilling to part with a piece of property which had so strangely become valueless in their hands, more especially since the charitable dealer in dye-stuffs offered a goodly sum for the girl. These worthies found themselves in a most unpleasant situation the very day after they had brought about the scourging and imprisonment of Paul and Silas. The Doomvirs had sent for them in hot haste. "'These strangers,' they said severely, "'whom ye falsely accused in our presence of being mischief-making Jews, "'have turned out to be Roman citizens, whom it is not lawful to scourge, as ye well know. "'Now, therefore, it is meet that ye taste of punishment in your own bodies, "'that your offence be not repeated.' So saying, the magistrates commanded them to be thrust into the inner prison, where also their limbs were made fast in the stocks, in the very spot where Paul and Silas had sung their midnight praises." and in this plight the miscreants remained many days. Paul and Silas, after that they had comforted them that believed, departed with Timothy on their journey. End of chapter 30